Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Big Cruise Podcast. It's uh, episode 54, which was recorded on uh, Friday the 7th of May. My name is Baz, I am your host, and uh, this week, just like last week, is a slightly shorter show. Uh, sorry, start again. This week, just like last week, is a slightly shorter show. Um, just got so much going on in the background, but um, things should settle down from, from next week onwards. But uh, for episode 54, it's pretty much myself and Chris, but we have to say a big thank you to Dan in Broome, who uh, got in touch um, via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and he uh, basically just said a quick hello, and then he came back a second time and said, actually, I've got a, a suggestion for maritime history, and uh, we'll explain a little bit more about that when we get Chris into the studio in just a second. Also, just a reminder, um, there are various ways that you can... Uh, supporters here at the Big Cruise Podcast. One of them is Buy Me A Coffee. Um, that'll be explained later in the show. And uh, we also have a range of uh, cruise fashion, sustainable cruise fashion that's available in the form of uh, t-shirts, etc. Um, you can design your own or you can take one of our podcast designs just off the shelf. And uh, the best thing is that it's organic cotton, certified organic. It is produced using only green energy in the factory and there is no plastic in the whole process. So doing the best that we can to uh, keep the oceans clean for our future generations of cruisers. But without further ado, let's head straight over into the studio and join Chris for this week's maritime history and cruise news. Enjoy. Friday's come around ever so quickly, and of course our first guest is always our good friend, maritime historian and all things cruise news, Chris Frame. Hey Chris, welcome back. Thanks so much, Barry. Yeah, they do come around quick, don't they? I know, and this has just been a crazy week, but uh, anyhow, um, I did send through a list of questions to you, which is kind of uh, given as the inspiration for today's maritime history. You did. Uh, Dan in Broome met you about six years ago on a Queen Victoria sailing where you were the guest speaker, mm -hmm. and it was all centered around the 100th anniversary or the 100th ceremony 
um, of the Satania. Um, yes. which was on the 7th of May, of course, uh, just the day that we're recording this. So uh, yes, as if we could uh, incorporate that into maritime history. And whilst I know a little bit of the story, I'm going to leave it all to you because you are the true experts. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Dan. It was, um, yes, I can't, I, I was just thinking to myself, six years ago that um, Queen Victoria sailed over the, um, the wreck site of Lusitania um, on her way into Cove, which uh, back in the day was known um as Queenstown, so it's the same port that uh, Titanic pulled into, but that's nearby where um, where the Lusitania sank on the seventh of May, nineteen fifteen. And on that voyage that Dan mentioned, there was um, early in the morning as the ship sailed over the site of the wreck, as the Queen Victoria sailed over that area, and they held a ceremony on the deck with um, Commodore Rind and. Mm-hmm. Uh, several key people from Cunard and, and any passengers who wanted to be up at about, I think it was about four o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. And they had wreath ceremonies and all sorts of other things to, to pay their respects. Um, but yes, yeah, so Lusitania was one of two express ships that were designed by um, for Cunard um, and entered service in 1907. Um, the other was Mauritania, um, which, of course, you probably have heard of as well if you've been following maritime history because I've mentioned her a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, now, these two ships, Baz, were, were sort of Cunard's answer to um, the new res- sort of surge of European liners, particularly those from Germany, that had captured speed records and were taking the lion's share of, um, of passengers on the Atlantic due to their, their fast speeds and and particularly in first class, they're improved first class amenities. So Cunard um, built these two ships to basically regain their place on the North Atlantic. Um, and they were four funneled liners, mm-hmm. so very dis- sort of very distinctive ships, um, both very fast. And Lusitania was built first. Um, well, she entered service a few months before Mauritania, put it that way. Um, and she was built at the John Brown shipyard in Clydebank, whereas Mauritania was built at Swan Hunter in in England. Um, and so Lusitania, when she entered service in 1907, she captured the speed record for Cunard again, so back in British hands, mm-hmm. um, and was the largest ship in the world. She was um, 780 feet long, um, and uh, her first-class interiors particularly were, were very – um, appealing. They, they were very sort of well decorated and and beautiful. And she had this um, she had this uh, like light and airy interior that used a lot of plaster work and bringing in natural lighting and stuff that made her stand out. Mauritania okay. entered service uh, later that same year, and in 1909 she actually took the speed record from Lusitania, um, both westbound and eastbound, and she actually held on to that speed record until 1929. So Mauritania was a very famous ship in her own right. Maybe we can talk about her some other time. But um, Lusitania and Mauritania were both built using British government funding um, loans from the government. And there was a specification in these loans that the ships should be built in such a way as they could be easily converted into um, armed merchant cruisers should the need arise, which is basically to turn a passenger ship into to, to militarize it, really, to yeah, allow it yeah. to carry guns and, and that sort of thing. So that's what happened with these two. And and then the third ship, Aquitania, was also built and put into service in 1914, and the three of them would operate this transatlantic express service. But when the war uh, broke out, the three ships were all requisitioned for wartime service. 
Um, but Lusitania was never actually put into wartime service. So they, they utilized, the government utilized Mauritania and, and Aquitania, mm-hmm. um, but they, they returned Lusitania to Cunard with the um, requirement, I suppose, or the, the expectation um, that she would operate a, a reduced passenger sailing schedule across the Atlantic to allow, I mean, she wasn't the only ship doing this by any means, but to allow for the movement of people and goods and cargo and to keep commerce open and, mm-hmm. and transportation with America, which, um, of course, was was neutral in the war at, at that time. They hadn't yet entered World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lusitania did that. So um, she she was utilized on a monthly schedule. So once a month, she would sail across the Atlantic and go to, um, to the United States and pull into New York. And then she would um, bring on passengers and uh, and cargoes that were going to come back to the United Kingdom. And this was done several times during the war until May of uh, 1915. She was, she was in New York and um, she left on time and made, a, made the usual crossing, I suppose, until she was approaching the coast of Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. It's an area called the old, near the old head of Kinsale. It's quite close to Cove. Um, uh, or Queenstown, as it was called, called at that time, and uh, she was she was torpedoed by um, the German U-boat U-20, um, and the torpedo caused Lusitania to to suffer two explosions. The the first one is kind of described by survivors as feeling like a, a loud thud, like a door slamming really hard. The ship moved a little bit, but otherwise it didn't seem like too much. But that was followed pretty shortly after by a second very large explosion which rocked the ship. Um, she immediately took on a list and, uh, you know, the the, um, the the result of this was that she started to sink very quickly um, and because of the list it was very difficult to, to man the lifeboats uh, to get passengers off the ship in the lifeboats. And also, Baz, the, the Lusitania lost power quite quickly in – in this disaster because of the location of where the water was flooding. Yeah. Um, and so the inter- interior of the ship would have been completely dark. The things like elevators and lifts and stuff stopped working. Um, and she sank in just under 20 minutes. Oh, wow. So like, you know, 20 minutes ago we were setting up for the podcast. It's just yeah. remarkable to think how quickly a, a huge ship like that sank. And, and tragically there was um, 1,200 people lost on that on that fateful day so um you know it was a very sad ending to to that ship um and the lusitania is um often cited um as being one of the causes for america entering um the war okay. uh, because there were over 100 there was 106 i think there was over 100 americans on board lusitania um, and she was operating in in civilian service yeah. But um, while the Lusitania didn't actually cause America to enter the war, what, what it did do is it actually changed, started to change public perception in America about, the, the, about how dangerous and how um, violent and that sort of thing the war in Europe was. Mm-hmm. It kind of, sort of brought it home for them a bit because there was Americans on board that ship that was, that was sunk. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and that, uh, in addition to many other things, um, eventually led America to, to enter into World War I on the side of the Allies. But it's that second explosion, really, Baz, that caused the most controversy. After the ship sank, it was 
was used heavily in propaganda um, and um, and recruitment drives for people to to, to enlist um, on the okay. on the British side. Um, they they were saying that the second explosion was sort of evidence that the um, that the ship was torpedoed multiple times. Here's a civilian ship being ruthlessly sort yeah. of um, you know taken down. Um, but on the German side, they, they were they were saying that the second explosion was because Lusitania was carrying illegal munitions from America to help in the war effort, which um, which she wasn't <laughs> supposed to be supposed to be doing. And of course, the debate on that rages on over a hundred years later. But the the prevailing theories today are that either the torpedo, because with a torpedo hit, like where it's described that it hit, wasn't anywhere near the cargo holds. Um, yeah. It was it was actually where the boiler rooms were. And mm-hmm. so um, it's believed that the torpedo either ignited the empty, the coal dust that was in the empty coal bunkers, which is yeah. highly explosive, and it um, caused the explosion. Or the way Lusitania was designed, her, her the high pressure steam pipes that that took the steam from the boilers to the um, to the engine rooms actually ran quite close to the um, hull of the ship. And of course, oh. if if a torpedo had hit one of those, the, the high pressure would have caused that area to blow out, which yeah. could have caused the, um, the explosion. But you know, the ship sank um, with the with the damaged side facing the seabed, so you can't actually see with the she's in, she's in shallow water. It's relatively easy to explore her, but you can't really see the the damage, the damage to, the, yeah. to the extent. So that's why over a hundred years later, there's still multiple theories as to what caused the, the ship to sink. Incredible, yeah. And I knew that uh, that she sank, and I knew the kind of the location, but I didn't know the full story behind that and her excellent service. And I think I read somewhere that uh, the, the sisters were known as the Greyhound of the North Atlantic due yes. to, the, to their speeds. Yes, uh, Mauritania and Mauritania were the were the Cunard's ocean greyhounds. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and Aquitania was um, was fast, but she wasn't as fast as the two. She was bigger than the other two, mm-hmm. but she wasn't as fast as the two. So they had this real sort of special place and you know they they've been kind of eclipsed in terms of luxury and size but they were still so fast and very sleek elegant looking ships that um and and lusitania herself you you know what it's like baz when there's different ships in the same class some of them just have a bit more something like a bit more personality or um the the preference of the two Uh, lusitania was by many in many respects particularly for those in first class who had a choice to switch ship they were going to travel um, yep. they, she was the favorite because her interiors were so nicely completed in the airy, bright, you yeah, know, love. lighter interior, whereas Mauritania employed more um, exposed woods, which made her interior quite dark. Yep. So, yeah, Lusitania was a very popular ship. Yeah, no, it is incredible that sister ships out of the same class, just one of them can have that that, that different ambience, that different vibe, that, that personality, as you say, yep. that uh, that attracts more people to her. But uh, thanks for bringing that story, Chris. That's uh, that's incredible, and I think everybody will take a moment to uh, to respect and acknowledge that 106 years ago, um, at the time of recording this podcast, uh, this disaster happened. But of course, you could be listening to it in a week's time and a couple of months' time, but... Yep. Uh, I'm sure you'll appreciate the story. And um, um, a thank you to Dan for um, for remembering and and um, and for being there on that voyage. There was actually um, the, it was a special trip that was organised by Cunard. It was um, called Lusitania Remembered, and that, you know I was I was on board as a as a speaker doing the history speaking. But there was a lot of Aussies and people from New Zealand as well who'd come across to to participate in that voyage and to you know pay uh, their respects for the ship because 1915. Uh, 2015, rather, of course, was also 
you know, yeah. a 100th anniversary of World War One as well. So, yep. Incredible. Um, next, we're going to jump straight into cruise news uh, to uh, to see what's happening uh, around the world. And we're first of all heading off to the waterways of Europe. Mm. I think we spoke about this about a month or so ago when Erosa announced their uh, their new ship, but they've they've hit a milestone with the Emotion ship. Yeah, they have. Um, so she's now being completed in terms of the steel construction, at least, um, at the shipyard in Romania where she's been being cons- uh, under construction. And then they actually transfer the ship from that yard to a- another location, this time in the Netherlands, where her interior is installed and her fitting out is completed. Now, you may wonder what an emotion ship is. <laughs> so E, of course, for electricity, and it um, features this sort of new generation of battery propulsion system. Um, so when it uh, is pulling into various ports and cities, it can operate with no um, no emissions. So that's a very sort of big tick in that green space, particularly um, given, you know, Arosa ships are um, river cruise vessels and they park quite close to where, um, you know, people are, are living and, yeah. and working and that sort of thing. So, uh, that will be a great addition to their fleet when she when she starts sailing um, after her fitting out is complete. Yeah, and the one thing that I like about this ship, um, she's actually re- probably the first river cruise vessel that's purely got an area that's dedicated to families. You know, you know, there's some river cruise operators mm. that do operate multi generation cruises, but this this particular vessel has got cabins that can take five. They've got a dedicated. It's not so much of a kids' club area, but it's a family lounge area where there are family activities and things taking place. So it's, I think it's uh, the start of a, a new generation of, of river cruising. So it's, it's quite exciting. Very exciting, yes, absolutely. Staying on the rivers, Aqua, um, which uh, operates on the, some of the smaller waterways, particularly up in Asia and South America, they're launching Aqua Nera. Yes, uh, on the 12th of June, actually. Um, And she's had quite an interesting um, journey over the last uh, few months anyway, um, even before she's taken any passengers, because she'll be sailing um, on the Amazon, but in Peru rather than in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Um, She was built um, over in Asia, and so she had to make um, a transportation journey across to across the world basically it's about 19 and a half thousand kilometers that she's 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 been moved um and she actually was transported to brazil and then from brazil she sailed up the amazon to peru where she'll she'll you know commence these voyages in in uh, june of 2021 fabulous yeah, she's uh, got some nice little three, four, and seven night cruises there. Um, moving into uh, Holland America, we've heard a lot about restarting in Greece uh, in the next couple of months or so, but Holland America is the latest one to announce departures from Athens. Yeah, so they're going to be using their their beautiful ship Eurodam um, and will be sailing um, from Greece, as, as you mentioned. The cruisers will be departing from Piraeus, which is the port for Athens. Um, and that starts in, in August, but bookings for the voyages will, will commence in May. Mm, interesting that they're starting out with that, that one ship. I suspected they may have taken one um, back to the UK as well, but uh, not to be announced just yet, it looks like. No. Um, staying within the Carnival family, uh, Princess have introduced a new concept called Dine My Way. Yeah, so it's all part of their, you know, they're basically medallionizing all of their ships in, in um anticipation for the return to cruising as, as i understand it baz 
Yep. Um, and so their new Dine My Way is a, an addition to this medallion experience um, and it just allows more flexibility, I suppose, with passengers choosing where they'd like to have their meals because, mm-hmm. um, you know, as cruising resumes, I think we're seeing more and more um, technology being used to try and enable passengers to um, have the have the cruise experience but also maintaining, you know, the required yeah, yeah. social distancing and making reservations and all that sort of thing. So um, with this program, uh, you'll be able to, um, um, you know, request or add additional people to your dining preferences. Um, you can select select your preferred place of dining on board the ship. There's lots of different locations, of course, on the different princess ships. Um, where you'd like to sit, whether you want to sit near a window or in the center or near close to the entrance or that sort of thing. And um, uh, also let the, the crew, I suppose, and, and the, and the um, kitchen staff know what your dietary requirements are. So rather than having to wait until they bring you the menu and then asking like, what's what can i eat they will know in advance what your dietary requirements are yeah no one thing that i like out of that is that that pace of dining because you know particularly from north america they like to dine quickly they like to be in and out of the restaurant as quick as possible but i think uh here in australia we like a bit more of a relaxed approach so uh, not being rushed out of the dining room so to be able to say yeah i'd prefer to have that that more relaxed speed rather than the mm. rapid service will mm. uh, allow it to be a really personal experience in the dining room there now princess have also announced um their 2023 canada and new england season yeah so there's a there's quite a lot to, to go through here barry so i think um if you want the full details perhaps we should refer listeners to the to the show notes but Basically, Canada and New England is one of the big focuses. There's um, voyages on board Regal Princess um, of seven days. There's also trips on Caribbean Princess um, of about 10 days uh, in their length. Then there's um, Canada and, and America um, with Caribbean Princess again um, and Greenland and Canada as well on board Caribbean Princess. So lots of different options there departing from various different ports from New York through to Quebec, Fort Lauderdale, um, and, um, and even pulling into various places such as Halifax and um, Newport and um, Bar Harbour and that sort of thing. So it's a pretty extensive selection there. In addition to that, 2023, <laughs> Princess is um, also um, going to be doing Caribbean cruises as well. And so they're sending Caribbean Princess to do round trips from Fort Lauderdale, um, taking in, you know, of course, the, the, the beautiful Caribbean beaches, um, and she'll be sailing to both the Eastern and Western Caribbean. And also going to the private island Princess Key, of course, which oh, is yes, of course. very, very popular. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, I think this is the last of the, the Carnival news, I think, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, Carnival Cruise Lines have also announced the, uh, the new livery that they put on the latest ship will be deployed across the fleet. Yes, and I think we, we probably... Um, you know, some some of us anyway, we're kind of suspecting this might happen, yeah, and it's yeah. it's quite quite a uh, kind of exciting because it's the first time really in Carnival's long history that they've um, they've changed their their livery really. Um, so Mardi Gras, which is their latest um, new build, she has been launched with the red, white, and blue sort of wave on the bow. Yeah, very kind different. Of, yeah, kind of comes up and covers the whole bow in this very sort of striking livery, um, and. That obviously makes her stand out quite a bit because she's a bit different from all the others, but they've now said that they're going to, to, to be painting all of their ships in this new color scheme. Um, and the first one of the existing fleet will be Carnival Magic, which will get that um, uh, that nice new um, decoration on her bow. 
Um, basically, with all these cruise lines doing all these changes to their liveries and stuff, Baz, all of my my photographs are out of date now. So I'm going to have to go on a world tour and get some new pictures for the videos. <laughs> you will be able to soon, I promise. It will happen <laughs> at some point. <laughs> uh, with, uh, with Magic also, that dry dock, um, it happened in uh, France, Marseille. And uh, she had quite a bit of work done, actually, mostly around the public areas, freshening up the waterworks, the pools, and also the casinos. That's basically a new ship. And next we go from Carnival with their new funnels to a brand that has kind of historically always had these uh, dynamic funnels. What's NCL up to, Chris? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about the uh, the iconic funnels there, Baz, because um, NCL, of course, for many years was famous for operating the Norway, uh, which was the the originally put into service as the ocean line of France. Um, mm-hmm. And she had the winged funnels, ah, okay. not the same shape exactly as carnivals. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a picture of Norway or as France, she has the wings on either side of her funnel, she had twin funnels. And it was designed to push the smoke away from the ship so that those sunbathing on the after decks didn't get soak and smoot, ah. didn't get smoke and soot in their face. Um, so, um, Yes, that's a very a very interesting little link there. But um, today we'll be talking about NCL's um, Norwegian Star, which is r- remarkably uh, – it sounds like she's becoming the expedition ship almost. Mm, um, yeah. But n- 90,000 tons, I mean, she's uh, – you know, by, by most standards, she'd be considered a, a large ship. But, yeah, she's going on these um, remarkable um, sort of exploration kind of voyages. So she'll be doing um, 10-day voyages from Iceland. Um, and it's an Iceland-Greenland round trip departing from Reykjavik, and it's um, in July of 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, in De- uh, September, rather, of 2022, there's another um, Iceland voyage, but this time it takes in Dublin and Belfast, nice. um, as well as um, it departs from Southampton. So it goes up from Southampton to Dublin, Belfast, and then onwards to Iceland. And that's in September of 2022. Uh, and then... Here's one that gets gets me a bit excited. You know, I, I love the idea of a cruise to Antarctica. Um, yep. So a 14-day trip um, departing from Buenos Aires, um, taking in South America and Antarctica, and that leaves in January 2023. So three really interesting trips. That last one in particular um, makes calls uh, in Chile and also in the Falklands Islands, um, which, again, from a historical point of view, is is quite interesting because, of course, from a maritime history perspective, the, the Falklandless Islands saw both the Canberra and um, and the QE2 go there as troop carriers. So um, that one certainly sounds fascinating if you've got a maritime history bent as well. Yeah, she's definitely becoming their, their explorer ship, for, for one for better words. So it's yeah. great to see her venturing far and wide. And that we're living in a time, Barry, where a 91,000 ton ship is considered to be a, an expedition <laughs> ship is quite an interesting quite an interesting time to be living in. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, now, we spoke a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago when Penant announced the uh, the partnership with the Smithsonian um, Association, of course, but um, they've actually come out with some of their itineraries. And again, there are so many to choose from, so we don't need to go through all of them, but maybe just uh, pick out some of the highlights that you're, you're looking at. Well, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, Penant, as you say, it's got so many different <laughs> options here, um, departing or debuting from 2022. Um, look, I mean, there's, Closer to where we are, there's a there's a voyage around Japan, which sounds really lovely on Le Soleil, and um, uh, you know, departing from Kobe and and then going to up, up to Osaka, which sounds really great. There's also a voyage that takes in Panama, which I think would be fascinating. I, I have I have transited the Panama Canal on the QE2 many 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 years ago, 
but it would oh. be interesting to go back. Um, there's and see the new canal, of course. Well, yes. I mean, I, I think the the size of the Panon ships probably they would use the old locks, but there yeah. is the new locks there that that can take much bigger ships, um, which which greatly increased the Panamax standard. The problem for most of the big cruise ships, though, Baz, <clears throat> isn't that they they still don't transit the Panama Canal, and it's not because the locks aren't big enough. It's because they're too tall to fit under the, the Bridge of the Americas, um, oh, cool. whereas the cargo ships and, and, and transports, they, they can fit under. So that's why yeah, they yeah. that's made the canal a lot more usable for them. Um, there's also voyages to the um, uh, Portugal and Spain along the coast of uh, – or cruising basically from Lisbon to Barcelona. Um, and then there's voyages to Iceland, um, yeah. which again is definitely one of the one of the things on my bucket list as well. Yeah, so many to choose from. If you have got a, a particular connection with any of those destinations, or you, you just like the thought of a Smithsonian type of experience, mm. um, check out the show notes. There's, uh, as I say, a lot to choose from in there. And yeah, they said last... that sorry, the Smithsonian um, uh, experience, Baz. It, it includes all of those um, um, sort of special editions, like specific speakers and programs that are around the destinations and that sort of thing. So. Um, we did speak about it, as you say, in detail. I think it was last week or the week before. Um, but it does sound like it would be quite an interesting um, program at sea there. Yeah. And in our last news of the main cruise news this week, Seabourn has announced a 65-day nautical journey around the Pacific. They have, yes. So leaving from Vancouver um, in the in September of 2022 aboard Seabourn Odyssey, and it will actually arrive um, in Australia um, in December of 2022, so um, it's quite a long um, voyage, and this this sort of 65 day they're calling it the Grand Pacific voyage. Um, it pulls it calls at a number of different islands, many of which Seaborn has hasn't visited for many years. Um, so it's sort of like reestablishing, I guess, their connection with many of these places, um, places such as uh, French Polynesia, Fiji, uh, Cook's Bay, uh, Hawaii. So lots of different options there. Um, for people to to enjoy, and I think Seaborn is one of those um, one of those brands where people do tend to take those long duration voyages, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's all inclusive on board in terms of um, the the food and beverage and stuff as well. So you could really have a have a really relaxing few months. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly sounds appealing. Certainly does. <laughs> now, uh, as I said, that's all we've got in the, the news for this week. Um, but uh, I know that your video ties in very nicely with our uh, maritime history. Sorry, maritime history at the start of the show. Anything else happening in your world, Chris? Yeah, no, that's 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 true. My my video this week is a, a more in depth look at Lusitania's career and the catastrophe of her her demise, of course, which was um, uh, which I published today as well. So it's up up on on the YouTube channel. Um, youtube.com slash Chris Frame Official. Of course, and uh, that link is always in the show notes. Uh, don't forget, listeners, if you have got a question just like Dan, um, you're more than welcome to send them through. Uh, you do so via the website is the easiest way, uh, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Top right-hand corner, there is a Join the Show tab. Send in your details, send in your question, and uh, we'll do our best to answer it in the, the next episode. Chris, it is always a pleasure, mate. Thanks once again, and uh, I'll speak to you next Friday. Thanks so much, Baz. Take care, everyone. me again just a quick reminder um if you want to help keep this podcast on air there's a little way that you can do it if you're familiar with patreon which other podcasters and youtubers use that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them we use something similar but we use a system called buy me a coffee 
Um, just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop. Very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you are then receive priority access to the podcast because all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.